Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute drowning in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by B21, a platform which helps you start your journey with cryptocurrencies. Visit b21.io slash hustleshare and get $2 upon signing up. Also powered by Podmetrics, the only analytics platform you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code HUSTLESHARE. Welcome to the third edition of Ask Hustle Share. Again, this is totally surprising because we have uh, not predicted that this this format of Hustle Share will get so much love from the startup community. And thank you for everybody that's sending a lot of your listeners. And again, if you're wondering what this new format is, Ask Hustle Share is made to again dissect key topics about startup life and how to hustle as a startup founder in the Filipino and also Southeast Asian setting. So again, if you want to send us something, all you need to do is ask us a question and send it to ask at hustleshare.com and we'll do our best to feature your question and bring the right hustler along to answer the right question. Because today, an anonymous letter sender didn't want to reveal who he or she was, uh, sent us questions about Finding the right profile for an angel investor. And I had to look at my Rolodex and who the best and most qualified people to help us out. And of course, I had to go home to where my first investment was ever done. And I had to get someone there. So let's welcome to the show, Miss Joan Yao of Kickstart. Hey, Joan. 
Welcome to Also Share. I, I, I realize that. Is this your first podcast? This is my fir- first podcast. I'm a little Thank nervous. Thank you. Don't be nervous. I am the most uh, nerve-wracking. I don't know if that's the proper word to get that done. But again, let's just introduce you properly, Joan. Before you became the VP that you are now in Kickstart, which is, again, the most active VC and have the largest fund in the Philippines, which is the active fund at 100 80 million dollars. I was a former investee, but what was your life before doing the VC life? Uh, sure. Uh, well, thanks for the question. Uh, I started uh, my career actually in investment banking. Mm-hmm. So uh, I did a couple of internships with Credit Suisse and UBS. Mm-hmm. And after graduating, I then started uh, working uh, in impact investing. I uh, was the investment manager for Southeast Asia. Uh, for a firm called LGT Venture Philanthropy. Uh, we were making investments on behalf of the princely family of Liechtenstein. What? Um, that is really a thing, yes. yes. And, uh, you know, I invested in, in some cool um, social enterprises back then, uh, Rex to Riches, uh, if, if you're aware of Reese and, and Co, shout out to them. Um, and uh, agricultural company uh, in, in Philippines called Kenimer Foods and other investments around uh, Southeast Asia. Uh, to do with, you know, education, healthcare, livelihoods, that sort of thing. That is amazing. And again, now your current life is still within investments yes. in Kickstart, which again, well-respected. Uh, and that's my first ever real investor in my old startup life. I was a broke-ass founder for a long time because I didn't know how to build a team. And then they took a chance on me. Unfortunately, my, that startup failed. But I still call Kickstart home. Eventually, someday down the road, We're still friends. I will be the prodigal son. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> let's just work and hustle for it. But today is not about me and, and this. Because our letter sender sent five very interesting questions about finding out the right profile of an investor. And let's dissect it one by one again. And he didn't want to be named. I don't know why, but okay, let's just give him that, right? But there are five questions that are very interesting. This, again, rings into what you're doing your whole professional life in investment. The first question that he asked, what is an ideal profile of an angel investor? And this got me thinking, John, just like, man, this is such a tough read because Majority of the time, you're looking at strategic fit, right? And uh, mm-hmm. the, the low type of question that I'm, or low type of answer I'm going to get is, you're the ideal investor shouldn't be a shark. <laughs> in, in the past uh, episode, uh, Ask Hustle Share, we talked about how 67% is the lucky number to you get majority, a super majority. But John, aside from what, that, again, equity and whatnot, and the strategic fit, what is the ideal profile of an angel investor? Okay. All right. Well, thanks a lot. You know, so again, at, at Kickstart, uh, obviously we invest a little bit later stage. Um, so, you know, we'll start looking at companies sometimes at seed, but more often at pre-series A to series A. Um, and so, you know, you can imagine we've seen all forms of, of cap tables arrive uh, right. at our doorstep and yep. maybe kind of taking those lessons, right? Seeing what shape cap tables ought to be in, right? When, when we start to have a look. I guess, you know, the, the, the first thing and maybe starting off from, you know, where uh, other people have said is, you know, an angel investor obviously shouldn't take too much of a company uh, at the start 
and thereby like disincentivize future investors from Correct. from coming in. So somebody who I guess will kind of take a fair amount of, of of the company for what they're putting in, and we can talk more about that later. I believe there's a question on valuation, Correct. or you know do like weird things to structure the investment at an early stage. You know, mm. there's a, an article that our president Minat uh, wrote. I believe it's going to be in the show notes yeah. later, right? But yep, put it on seen, the show notes. There you go. Um, but we've seen, you know, like uh, crazy things like, uh, I guess, putting like asking for like uh, collateral for, for, for yes. the investment. <laughs> this is for... not a loan, huh? Okay. <laughs> You're getting an investment. Right. If, you say, uh, if you loan your chicken pens, that's already a bad sign. <laughs> Uh, so we've, we've seen it, um, you know, asking for, I guess, like, I don't know, revenue share deals or, you know, like just too much, um, not about creating a long-term value, I guess, right. together with the founder, but, you know, trying to almost from the get-go, like secure Killing or it. extract yeah. uh, value for, for themselves. And, and I agree because, again, you want to get the right fit because they need to play the long game. And as Bruno Mars said, you have to leave the door open for everybody <laughs> else to come in, right? Because you, you're not the last person to open that door. Yes, that angel investor takes the biggest risk. That means also they typically get a bigger piece of the pie. But yeah. you don't want to get sharked out that any potential funding round. Because remember, guys, as a founder, your biggest incentive is to have as much equity as possible. You shouldn't be driven. The game. Correct. You shouldn't be driven about sweldo. Okay. We care about growing the company. And in order for you to get to multiple milestones or goalposts you need to do, you need to get the right investor at the right time. Now, at an angel stage, you want to get someone who is a strategic fit, not just give you money, not as for collateral, but <laughs> also give you the right network. They don't have to be a 16Z. We're in Asia, we're in the Philippines. <laughs> you want to get to Somebody who the knows next... the market and who can advise you here. I think, Correct. you know, so besides the money, if I can just add to kind of what you're saying, I was thinking about, you know, the characteristics of the best angel investors I've seen, right? I mean, we, we've seen some really fantastic companies come up, um, especially in recent years out of the Philippine startup ecosystem. And I, I really hope that that trend will only continue. And yep. when I look at the people on those cap tables, and there are a few names that have started to repeat, you know, I think uh, some characteristics of angel investors that, that impress me is, you know, they are people who really believe in, in the founder and, and support the founder's vision. Yep. They don't micromanage because we have seen also sometimes like, how come the angel investor is coming to us, com coming with the founder to the investor meeting? You know, like, uh, uh, who's the founder, you know, uh, my chaperone, exactly. You know, so somebody who's not really about micromanaging, but at the same time, it's willing to challenge also, right? right? So it's not just about like blindly handing you a check. Right. right, but somebody who's willing to challenge somebody that the founder respects. We were just talking about yes. how important respect is, particularly in an investing relationship where it's like ten years. Right, if you're doing things right, it's it's a long relationship. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think also someone who understands that investing um, at this stage of of the company means there is high risk, right, and, yes. and high likelihood that they may not see their money anytime soon come back to them or yep. you know they might not see it come back at all and they have to be comfortable with that risk right yep. they can't 
like at the first sign of danger, you know, start to want to collect their yep. money or, you know, uh, pressure you into doing things that aren't good for the company long term. And then finally, I guess, you know, to what you were saying, someone with experience in networks that's relevant to what you're building. So right. whether it's knowledge of the Philippine market or if you're building, I don't know, a grocery startup, somebody with right. knowledge of that industry, something in ad tech, then they should know the industry you're coming yeah. from and be able to leverage their networks and resources to help you build uh, what you're building. They could also, by the way, be, you know, a, somebody, a founder previously. Correct. Right. They exactly. can introduce you to tech people and, you know, other, other folks you need to, to build the business. As they always say it, it's smart money. Okay, you don't exactly. just get a check just for the sake of getting a check. If you just really need a quick boost of funds, if you have enough traction and you, you think you can pay it off, just get a loan. Mm-hmm. You don't always need to get investment at the forefront. But if you're going to get an angel investor, make sure it's like getting a joa. You know, there's a, <laughs> there's a, someone that, a Joanne. There, there, that's a joanne out there too. <laughs> Intended, right? But also uh-huh. making sure that there is again that common bond because again, just like what Joan said, he should not micromanage you because remember you are at the driver's seat. That guy or that person will be riding shotgun. But you also had to understand that angels typically invest their own personal hard-earned money. Yes. That's why they care about that a little bit more because it's their own money that they, they had to go through. Now, question number two. Our anonymous letter sender said, after that, what is the ideal profile of a venture capital investor which you fall in? (laughs) Is it the same as a a VC and an angel? Mm -hmm. What's the difference? Yeah. I mean, so I guess, you know, as you were saying earlier, um, uh, the main difference, I guess, between an angel and a VC usually, right, is an angel tends to be an individual. And usually, uh, they will be writing you literally like a check out of their personal bank account. Correct. Whereas, you know, a VC investor is what you call kind of a more institutional uh, investor. You know, they've set up, whether it's a corporation or a fund structure, they've raised money from a bunch of people. Of course, many VCs have money in the fund themselves. But, Uh you know, they are in charge of managing also other people's money, uh, OPM, right? And... um, with that comes uh, a little bit more like systems, processes, yes. rigor, you know, governance. DD. Yeah, DD. Right. It's the it's firing trying to move you into the bigger leagues, right? Um, yes. After firing the backyard uh, garage um, phase. Correct. So, now, in yeah. terms of the profile, again, obviously, one of the biggest differences is check sizes, right? Where mm. in Philippines, so correct me if I'm wrong. Again, this is basing off of our very limited knowledge. Back then, angel angel checks would range around twenty thousand dollars. Probably tops fifty. You'll be happy to get a hundred thousand. That's already big before. And now, I've seen angels cut. Let go around three hundred, all the way to five hundred thousand yes. dollars. In terms We're of seeing some angels. super angels, that's what you super call them angels sometimes. here. Yeah. In in terms of VCs, at least in in again uh, in general knowledge here in Southeast Asia, against a Filipino setting, right? Because not everybody can get to Silicon Valley. That's great. That's the ambition. But you know, if your market is here, you need to play the game like a Southeast Asian startup. I'm not saying that you should take less valuation because you can justify that. 
but play the game like an Asian, meaning don't burn bridges. Okay, I'm just saying. But what are the check sizes in terms of VCs now do in this day and age? And again, does that also come with the profile? Because I've seen it vary from location to location. Yeah, um, that's a great question. So, you know, I was going to answer your question about VCs, you know, and, and what makes a good one. I was going to say, like, actually, the main thing is it really depends on the size of investment or the stage of the company and the sector, mm. right? But let's start from that transition between angel to, to VC. Okay. I think one thing to point out in the Philippines, which is an, has been a great development to see yeah. over the past five years, is there are more and more. VCs that have come up, and in particular, kind of um, in the kind of seed, uh, yes. seed Series A, a little bit into Series A, uh, that right. stage, um, we're seeing more early stage VC activity, um, you know, Core, Foxconn, and, and others, um, uh-huh. right? And so, you know, from what I'm aware of, uh, you know, uh-huh. uh, they usually write kind of checks of, let's say, somewhere between 100 150 to to, to five hundred thousand uh, dollars, right? That's kind yeah. of the first institutional um, uh, check. And if you get, you know, let's say two or three kind of institutionals together, writing you uh, a round, let's say your seed round, yep. um, you would be looking to raise maybe like one to two million dollars, um, right. you know, from uh, a, a group like three to five uh-huh. um, investors who are writing you maybe somewhere between like 150, 500K each, right? Um, and it. that kind of gets you to your one to two million. Got it. Yeah. So that, that's, I think, a, a respectable, like, seed, yes. you know, pretty pretty large seed stage round uh, here, yes. in, here in the Philippines. Okay. Now, in terms of the profile, because the reason why I want to hammer down on the profile, because I want to know, is a certain type of VC inclined to even help you race further down the road or deter you from getting future fundraising? Is that profile also a big factor to your startup success, especially if you have plans of further raising and subsequent rounds? Yeah. No, I mean, I think, again, what I see with like the, the best VCs, right? And from stage to stage, just like a kid, right? Like from stage to stage, like preschool, grade school, high school, the needs of the child slash startup change. Right. So what you would need from a seed investor may vary slightly from a series A and then series B and so on, right? Yeah. But what I do see that's you know um, great about like these like the great VCs across the stages is the moment they invest in you, they are actually helping you build a game plan for the next round already. Right, so they're helping yes. you guys figure out. Okay, um, what are your metrics? What are the milestones right. you want to hit? Let's say we like, we invest at the seed stage, right? Okay, in eighteen months, um, where should revenue be at? You know, where should users be at? Um, so that uh, you would be an attractive uh, investee for a Series A investor. And so we yeah. track those metrics, and then maybe you know. Uh, fantastic if you're like executing ahead of plan, right? But again, typically, right. like, you know, nine to 12 months into the relationship, you know, you have a look and then you're like, okay, you're ready to push you out to the market. And then like, you know, your seed investor will then help introduce you to other like potential series A investors. Right. So it's like building that pipeline, that's funnel. You know, so that's where the A16Zs of the world can come in, right? Now, yeah, it depends yeah, on that. Sure. You're not on I, your own. Yeah, I'm not actually sure A16Z deploys in, in Southeast Asia. Although, 
I, I could be wrong there, but what I have, I have right. seen uh, more and more uh, US VCs uh, c- come in. Right. We've seen, seen um, Axel in the market. We've seen Climate Perkins. Sequoia, of here. course. Uh, uh-huh. Nightspeed uh, has opened Singapore yeah. office, Tiger Global. So you do have right. more kind of and Of US course, VCs. the mighty SoftBank who deploys yeah. everywhere. Right. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. But let's take our first break. And when we come back, let's now dissect now valuations, differences about corporate VCs, independent VCs, and more of that. We'll talk about that more after the There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph. That's saschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. Break. And we're back from the break. We are still with John Yao of Kickstart. You're Basta. looking for a, not a Joa. You are looking for a Joan. There you go. All right. So again, uh, the third question now that the anonymous letter sender uh, sent was again also going back to our our first. Uh, I mean, our last Ask Hustle Share episode. His question was: As a founder, how do you value your own startup? So again, it depends on your stage. On the last episode of Ask Hustle Share, Saint Mike, our our well esteemed basically head of finance in Podcast Network Asia, said that pre revenue, pre product, you can look at your PE multiple on your vertical as a comparable. If you don't have any basis or, or as a, aside from thin air <laughs> to base off of your valuation, but other than the PE again for pre revenue, pre pre whatever. What else can a founder do to value his or her own startup properly? Uh, thanks for that question. Now, like this question, certainly it's what we do uh, every day uh, at Kickstart. For pre-revenue, um, you know, I, I heard this once. I think it was a founder that said it. And you know, there is truth to what he said. At pre-revenue, 
there's actually only a couple of numbers. Right? Okay. The first is how much you need to build uh, your startup. And the second is the equity that you're willing to part with. Correct. Right? And basically, if you divide what you need by the equity you're willing to part with, that's the valuation that, that you have to target, right? And that works to an extent. Um, but obviously, uh, you know, that can either be too high or too low, depending on who you're asking. Right. I want to ground that formula I just gave, right? In uh-huh. a couple of facts, though. Right. Uh-huh. So one thing to think about, right, is you are you are building a pre-revenue, and most likely before you get to Series A, you're probably going to have one or two more rounds, right? Mm-hmm. So there is what you raise at pre-revenue at the angel stage. You may raise something at seed, and then you may raise a pre-A as as we call it before you get to Series A. In general, you know the usual dilution that we see at every round is about twenty percent. Uh, it could be. More or less, but you know, I'm, I'm saying in general is 20. There was a study that came out in 2016. I'm sure it's been updated, but the numbers okay. I have are as of 2016. Okay, we can put that in the show notes also. Okay, let me, let me send that yeah. to you. But th- there was this US firm capture that like okay. basically studied the cap tables of like 10,000 companies in the US. Wow. And figured out at Series A, on average, a Series A founder has about 46% of their company. Companies left, stock. yeah. Co-founders alone as a block, not just uh-uh. one founder. Okay, uh-uh. the, the founders uh, as a block, right? Yeah. So you kind of work backwards from there, right? Also, wait, forty-six percent pre or post? I, I'm assuming this is post. Wow. So post after you get your Series A check, you still have have to have on average, just looking at ten thousand, forty-six percent still intact as a founder share. Yeah, and, and this is the U.S. market. So I second okay. your caveat that, okay, right, it may be a bit different in Southeast Asia. Unfortunately, I haven't seen a study right. like this for Southeast Asia. So yeah. uh, that's also something to maybe to think, right? Because you can model naman, eh, parang, uh, the dilution at every round. Yes. Right? To kind of uh, what your finance manager was, was saying, we do a similar thing at, at Tickstart, which is basically revenue times your EV sales uh, multiple enterprise value over over sales multiple for right. comparable companies. Um, something that has become more popular, uh, you know, over the past couple of years is the safe note. We're seeing yes. you know more and more companies raising with a uh, safe note with a cap, right? And what a safe yep. note with a cap is trying to accomplish basically is they're like, listen, we that's not established valuation today because there's no basis. Let's set like a cap for um, what we think the minimum value of our company will be right. the next time and we the raise. Uh-uh. And uh, I think usually how um, I've seen some founders compute that, right, is they say, okay, we're at zero revenue today or very little revenue today. With our projections, we expect, you know, in one year, let's say in one year, you know, we'll be making whatever, $100,000. Yep. Uh, and then you multiply that by a certain EV sales multiple, um, and therefore, the cap on our safe note is reasonable because, like, in one year from now, Bayang will be making at least that much or, or more. Correct. Correct. So, um, yeah. and I guess the last thing I want to say, um, and yeah. I know I'm saying a lot, Ron, but like, no, 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 you know, this is a podcast. Say a lot. We yeah. need you to say a lot. Okay. <laughs> There's no time slot here. It could be worse we can if go I didn't more. say anything. <laughs> it's true. Um, no, so uh, you know, I, I guess 
all these questions of, of, of valuation and a reasonable cap for the safe, all that stuff. I guess to founders, you know, what I want to say is it's really all a negotiation. And in the earlier stages, I wouldn't be too super focused on valuation and dilution. I'm not saying give away the farm, right? Yep. But for me, the most successful founders I've seen have worked to bring the right partners on board um, at the right time uh, to build value together. And by doing that, maybe they gave up 5% more, for example, right? Like yep. I, I've had really excellent founders tell me, yeah, I had a term sheet for, let's say, $25 million. Uh, this yep. is at the Series A. But I took the term sheet of the one who offered me $18 million, right? Which is pretty significant. They they accepted yeah, a that's $7 million a, a lot of payroll right there. Valuation. Yep. Um, but they said, you know, because this is the right investor for me. Like, I've seen their portfolio. I've seen the value that they've added to other investees. And I think that yep. taking that hit on the valuation and valuation today will still help me create a more valuable company in the long run, right? So better to own 40% of a $100 million company, right, than 90% of a $10 million company, right? That's amazing. And, you know, at the end of the day, again, you have to remember that as a founder, it, it's not, again, all about the money sometimes. Yes, you will have crazy valuations, but you need to find the one that also is a value fit. Aside from valuing your own startup, do you share the same values? Because if they, for example, an investor, whether angel or a VC, can give you the moon and stars, but he doesn't fit you as values. Again, just, you're going to war with this guy. And just because he has is throwing you more money doesn't mean that that's it all the time. You have to expose yourself with multiple options as well because if it doesn't feel right, most of the time, it's not right. I remember so many times Minette and Dan and Christian Bessler told this to me that just because someone's offering you the moon and the stars, you will get shiny object syndrome. But guess what? I still did it. That's why party my <laughs> Man, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Again, the loudest people in the ecosystem isn't always the best people out there. Mic drop right there. <laughs> okay. Very true. Last uh, last couple of questions. Yes, sir. So we also asked, please help define the difference between a corporate VC and an independent VC. What are the pros and cons of each? This is actually I I don't know how to answer this. So please enlighten me, my master. <laughs> I was thinking about the differences, uh, and I think for me, there are three main ones. Uh, The first is the source of funds. So for independent VCs, uh, as mentioned, they raise money from rich people and uh, funds. And so they have uh, what they call limited partners, right? The LPs. Um, LPs, there you go. For a corporate VC, typically, most of the time, the source of funds is the corporation. Um, so, for example, Kickstarter is a corporate VC, and so you know our, our funds come either from Group Telecom or uh, now with uh, the Active Fund, which we just opened. You know, um, yes, our, our LPs into that fund are you know Ayala Corp and, and other business units. So that's the first, the source of funds. Uh, the second, I think, is how investment decisions are made or the composition of uh, the investment committee. 
IC okay. as we call it. No? Independent VCs typically, uh, the decision makers for investments are the partners of the fund, what you would call the GPs or general partners. Um, so yung mga boss ng fund, sila, uh, they, they themselves are the ones who... Right, as a decide. committee per se. Yeah, exactly. Um, whereas uh, for corporate VCs, we uh, have uh, an investment committee that can be made up of fully corporate representatives, like so, okay. you know, uh, people from different business units, or um, you know, in the case of of, of Kickstart, um, you know, I think we're we're pretty lucky. Like, you know, we have a mix of um, you know people from Globe, but also independent uh, VCs um, uh. and 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 advisors who share kind of their business experience, their nice. perspective, which isn't just like the Globe perspective, which is also important. But we yeah. mix that with uh, outside points of view. Um, and that makes Got for a much it. better discussion. Okay, the third, how success uh, is measured, I think. So mm. for an independent VC, success is measured pretty much by financial returns. Of right? course. It's ROI. It's you know how much money I return. Yep. to How my many investors. excess did it yes. give you back? Exactly. Right. The excess. power law. There you go. Whereas for corporate uh, VCs, um, again, it can be uh, a mix. It can be a mix okay. of financial returns, but also uh, the strategic returns or the strategic value uh, that a corporate VC is able to drive for uh, the mother, the mothership, or the mother company. Got it. Okay. Yeah. In terms of you know the pros and cons, if I can just jump into that, sure. you know, I think for independent VCs in general, I feel. Uh, the decision making tends to be faster, um, okay. you know, because like if a partner meets you, you know, they can think about it, they can go talk to their other partners, and you know, come up with a decision and a term sheet, you know, in okay. a relatively short amount of time. I guess for for corporate VCs, obviously, like there are sometimes a few more layers of decision making, right. and then I guess the other thing is like independent VCs, as mentioned earlier, they kind of have clear. They have a clear agenda. They have clear metrics for success. It's just all about like, how do I get you to be the most valuable company you can be? And also, I think then they have the flip side to that. Is, uh, they also are viewed as being better able to, to value a company objectively um, because, you know, they're just looking at like, what should I value this company today so I can still make money tomorrow, right? right. Whereas corporate VCs um, sometimes right, may not be the most objective evaluators of companies because maybe they're also evaluating not just how much your company is worth, but how much your company is worth if I integrate it into my business operations and stuff like that, right? So, but the flip side to why you want to work with corporate VCs, um, and okay. I would argue in a region like Southeast Asia where you have a lot of like prominent uh, and influential like business houses. Singtel um, Innovate, like as an example. There. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. So is that you get access to corporate decision makers, to platforms, right, that can help uh, scale up your business faster, right? If Correct. you uh, know how the decisions are uh, being made um, and, uh, you know, you have partners like a corporate VC who can help facilitate discussions inside yes, of and navigate the you. bureaucracy so yeah, you don't right, get exactly. lost somewhere in there. there so so I think you know and I was gonna say this earlier about VCs is that um, different VCs add different kinds of value 
And I think your job as the CEO of a company or, or just you know, whoever's raising money for a company is putting together the right mix, like mix the, the right yep. Avengers team of, of, of investors who can add, you know, not just the money, but the strategic advice, Correct. the fundraising support, but also commercial deals. Every investor can play their part and it's about learning how to manage uh, that constellation in a way right. that works. For your business. No, absolutely. And guys, always remember, this is not zero sum. When yeah. you say that, okay, there's a corporate VC in, in front of me and there's an independent VC, who should I choose? You can do both. Okay. <laughs> it depends. And can they fit the, 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 the round that you're trying to raise? Because if you have both, why not take both? And you take less money from each, as long as they, you meet the requirement that you need for that round. And that's similar to what we did in the last seed round that we did for PNA, Podcast Network Asia. Our strategic VC pit, because we're trying to get to Indonesia, is Ventura Discovery. And they did an amazing job walking us through. I don't know anything about Indonesia. Okay. And now we eclipsed so many potholes that we could have fallen into. If we went there blind, right there, boom. And again, that corporate VC is part of the Lippo Group. One of their GPs is the Lippo Group, which apparently I didn't even know back then uh, was one of the biggest companies, a conglomerate across the whole region. So like, wow, so we have that and I did not even know this. What an idiot you are, Ron. Then of course, we have, we have like uh, the Miss Lisa Gokongways and like Foxmont who help us here locally. And again, prepare us for the next round for the big boy club. This scares me, by the way, John. I've never been to Series A. Kickstart Bekeneman. <laughs> We need to have a prodigal son come back, okay? I know now I'm the best bidet user in that urinal in Kickstart downstairs. <laughs> I have mastered that, okay? <laughs> All right, last question before we let you go. I know we went over time. Okay, there's this last question that the letter sender sent. What is a venture builder? Because again, I've, I've been seeing a lot of this model 917 ventures. Again, part of the mothership. UBX is doing a venture builder specifically for fintech. And also venture funds have been popping out as well. Specifically targeting founders at the zero to one level, which is, I think, is the most important level right now because sometimes we lack ambition, right? Mm-hmm. Like we were just trying to solve problems within our own backyard without the vision of at least growing regional. The, in, in the Filipino setting, guys, you know, you can conquer the world, which is great. But Southeast Asia alone, this little bubble that we live in, China, Southeast Asia, there's more than enough people within this region compared to the whole world combined. Do you realize how big this market is? So if you're trying to solve a problem in the Philippines, if you just really did your research, right, you can probably do it in other emerging markets in the region as well. Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia, name it. You just got to look bigger. But again, going back, what is this venture builder model and how do you properly maximize them? Okay. Um, so I was thinking about uh, what a venture builder was. And, you know, I, there are many names for venture builders now, I feel. Okay. You know, they, they call themselves um, uh, venture studios sometimes, yeah. right? Uh, and uh, I, I was thinking it's kind of like a startup factory, I guess, yes. right? 
And, you know, it made me think of one of the companies I, I, I used to work with before in my days at LGT was uh, uh, Happy Noi, you know. And, and, Happy Noi. Uh, Shout out yeah. Mark Ruiz. There you go. There you go. If you want to listen to his hustle, just go all the way back. He's with Reese also. There. I think <laughs> uh, 2019. Just look at it. My gosh. Go. There you go. Um, and I remember Happy Noi before was trying to do something called like tool manufacturing, right? They were trying to like uh, make, you know, Happy Noi ketchup, Happy Noi. Yep. Uh, Sarsa, all these things. And they worked with a toll manufacturer to produce, uh, you know, these sauces and other things, right? right. So in a way, I, I, I think of venture builders kind of like startup factories, meaning they have uh, the machinery, the equipment to help you uh, manufacture the product that you want to put sense. out there. Um, they have, you know, the experts uh, whether it's in marketing or finance or product development, they have the tools. Some I've seen some venture studios that have even the components for apps so wow. that your path to MVP is faster. Because you don't have to build every single thing. Um, okay. They can give you metrics, uh, industry knowledge. They can give you funding. Um, so different uh, venture builders have different value propositions. Some right. offer everything. Some offer a few components, you know, but the whole point is like, you have this idea, zero to one, you have this idea, you want to get it out of the world and they, you go to them because they have a lot of the equipment, machinery, tools, experts to get there faster. Uh, the flip side, right, okay. the, the exchange for is... this deal is, you know, hey, you use my facilities to produce like your your product your startup yep. right so uh usually for venture builders i think the equity expectations um are perhaps a bit higher uh Makes than sense. they would be for uh you know like a normal angel in them right Makes sense. so yeah i guess that's kind of the, the main thing in terms of what a venture builder takes um uh-huh. to be honest i've seen a whole range again it's different because yeah. they the value offering can be can be very different from yeah so i guess my recommendation there is read the fine print um yep. you know meet with the venture builder try uh-huh. to understand if the tools that they offer are the ones that you want and need and um as ron was saying because there are already quite a few you can right. compare and see which deal uh suits you the best yeah. And, and and I agree. And and I always say it that I think a lot of startup founders are just at the precipice mm. of or entrepreneurs who are like, I want to try the startup life. I want to be the Namdo San and I want to be the the, 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 the K drama girl. But again, don't want to leave corporate because they're scared. This can mm. be that jumping point for them to get that crash course. If they don't want to go full all-out risk, try it out. If they do well, great. If they don't, that's also great because now you know what your blood tastes like, which is what we do on a daily basis in Startup Life. We taste our own blood because we get smacked in the face by reality and failure. But we always pick ourselves back up because we are masochistic, uh, like that, right? We like being hurt. No, but real talk, we persist through. And that's what it is. Uh, that's a main trait of a startup founder. We hustle every day to solve a problem using technology. And if that technology is with the venture builder, it allows you to ship that right away and you get to 
uh, go into that factory and ride with a blazing Lamborghini, you know, right away, then great. At the end of the day, now, a lot of startup founders also, which I feel, let me know if you feel the same way. We lack great startup operators in this country. The vision is there. How do you run a startup? How do you build a team? How do you do your proper cap table, your PNL, and all these things? These are operating uh, things that only proper tutelage. I'm lucky I got that early shout out to Dan Siazon. Thank you for helping me do my PNL and all those crazy Excel formulas that I still use to this day. And you know what? I'll just do a, a, a quick shout out to Kickstarter. I learned how to operate that a lot of what I do in PNA, Podcast Network Asia, this will sound creepy because if one of our producers here, Sola, listen to this, we do checkpoints with podcasters. Oh. I, I really verbatimly copied the checkpoint term. I got that from Kickstart. We still call them checkpoints. metrics, talked about monetization, every single thing. And again, thank you, Kickstart. Because again, if you get the right investor based on experience, and I failed in Kickstart. Huh? I still, it took me again. I cried my biggest cry always with Mineto. If you want to check out how that Kickstart would build, you can always go back to that episode when I had with Mineto. Easily the most emotional episode I did. And still my favorite to, to this day. I've had Ernest Koo here before and whatnot, but that was just too close to my heart. So again, thank you, Kickstart. But before I let you go, uh, John, thank you so much to get that done. Thank and again, um, invite people over. What can, What's next now for Kickstart? And what can people do if they feel that you are the right VC or the right investor for their startup? What are they doing? Um, all right. Well, uh, you know, I mean, if uh, you have a, an idea you want to pitch to us, uh, feel free to uh, drop us a line at uh, pitches at kickstart.ph. And uh, me and my team uh, will have a look. We also have uh, Read the Fridge. Uh, yes. If, if I can plug that, shout out to Pia, yeah. our fridge master. Uh, longest the, running the founder of Hassel Share, by the way, that's her. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, so that happens every last Thursday uh, of the month. Um, and uh, I believe the next one is happening on the twenty seventh uh, of of May. So uh, do check that out. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I echo what you what you said, Ron. Really, like you know, just keep building and aspire to, to to build even beyond kind of the Philippines because I think we're more than capable um, of, of doing it and I would love to see uh, more Philippine uh, if Roland Ross can do there. it you can do it too that's always <laughs> the main bannerman of all bannermen if Rexy and Roland can do it y'all can do it too and again thank you very much Joanne for joining us on Hustle Here. Again, uh, before I let you go, again, uh, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcast, or any other app that you're listening to. And if we did Joe's jargon, I bet we did. Don't worry, we got you back. He's going to be in the show on us on hustleshare.com. And lastly, if you want to join the community on Facebook to talk to your other Hustle Share listeners, it's going to be on the Hustle Share community on Facebook. And lastly, we still have a chatbot at m.me slash hustleshare powered by chatbotph. Again, Joanne, thank you so much for be on Ask Hustle Share. Thank you, sir. It was a pleasure. Alrighty. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.
Hey Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with GCash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag Uno Ready Savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag Uno Earn or hashtag Uno Boost Time Deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag Uno Earn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. 
Dragon Pay was named Fintech of the Year at last year's Philippine Fintech Festival in 2023. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay.